All right, I would like to welcome everybody to the Roxborough Roundtables. My name is Victoria Angeny, and I'm the student coordinator. Today, our topic is fashion and sustainability, and our host will be Amy Copeland. Hi, I'm Amy Copeland. I'm a professor of fashion design, and joining me at Roundtable are... My name is Ashley Eller, and I am a fourth-year psychology student. Uh, my name is Peter. I am a fourth-year textile materials technology student with a concentration in environmental sustainability. I'm Faith I'm Claire, I'm majoring in fashion merchandising and management, and I'm a freshman. Uh, I'm Gabby, I'm a senior in industrial design. I'm Alex, a uh, freshman, majoring in marketing. Uh, my name is Maria, I'm a fourth year marketing student with minor in law and society. Okay, um, I guess just a little bit about me before we get started. Um, I was an undergrad fashion design major here back when we were textile. And I think my real interest in sustainability started, um, we had a competition with Wellman, which was a company that made uh, fabrics from recycled soda bottles. And this is back when that whole technology just started and they had a big competition um, between uh, textile and FIT. And they supplied all the fabrics and we had to make designs. And I was actually one of the Wellman winners. And I think that's really how my interest in sustainability got started. Um, going forward, I admit I was a fashionista with a very expensive taste and not two nickels to rub together. So I started shopping at places like thrift shops and consignment shops um, just because that's what my budget allowed. But then over time, I started becoming really conscious of what was going on in sustainability sustainability with fashion, and I started to feel guilty when I was buying things otherwise. Um, so, you know, I'm happy to say I don't necessarily have to buy everything that way these days, but I choose to buy everything these days. Um, and just for the record, everything I am wearing from head to toe is all purchased secondhand. So just to tell you, you can still have a whole lot of fun with fashion and buy things secondhand. Um, I just finished my master's in global fashion enterprises and my capstone project we had to come up with a business plan and my business that I am actually working on going forward with is a whole line of clothing, accessories, and home decor made entirely out of recycled clothing. So I'm pretty hooked on sustainability. So I was given a whole list of topics to discuss. Um, I guess the first one are the sustainable apparel brands, Reformation and Everlane, um, which I'm both aware of. I guess my question to all of you is, are you aware of these brands, and do you know who some of the other most sustainable brands are? Could you repeat those brands? Uh, the two we have listed are actually Reformation and Everlane, okay. um, but I was just wondering if anybody has any thoughts or ideas on if you're aware of those brands um, or if you know what some of the other sustainable brands are? Well, I can start. I have no idea. Okay. I shop in the Gap, so I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, just kidding. Um, how, and therein is part of the problem. I'm sitting in a room at a school where we have fashion merchandising and fashion design and people interested in fashion. And I asked the first question about sustainable apparel, and everybody's scratching their heads. Um, that is very telling. 
that most people do not know a lot about sustainable fashion, and everybody should. So hopefully after today, everybody will. If you have a... Um, I was just going to say, Eileen Fisher does the Green Eileen Project, which is really yes. cool. They have, like, you can um, donate your old clothes back, or I think they even buy some of the old clothes back. And they actually give you a $5 store credit for every piece that you donate back. Yeah, I really like that, that they do that. Yes. Um, and they make it really easy for people. You can just drop your clothes off and they make them into a They are, in fact, right here on my list is one of them. Um, Reformation is actually a company in California, and they are actually using recycled clothing um, as opposed to my line that I'm working on, which is going to be called Lina Garde. My line is more about taking um, clothing and totally recycling it into other items, whereas Reformation, they take... Um, vintage pieces or used pieces, and they just tweak them or update them a little bit. They don't necessarily remake them, um, but they tend to sort of tweak them a little more. Everlane is actually a company that makes t-shirts, but they use all sustainable fabrics for their t-shirts, and they are very good on sustainable practices um, as far as how they sew things and how they deliver things. Everlane, as opposed to, it's all made in the U.S., and you can actually order something from Everlane, and you can have like a bike messenger drop it off to you. So they're about sustainable practices in more than just the construction of the items. Um, probably the most recognized sustainable brand is Patagonia. They are the leader in sustainability and fashion, and they use sustainable fabrics and fibers and threads and practices, and they are pretty much the leader to follow in sustainability. United by Blue is actually a company in Philadelphia in Old City. That if you're ever in Old City, go look them up, stop by their store. They have a store, but I think they sell elsewhere. Um, everything they make is sustainable. They use recycled goods. And they also donate back that for all every so many you know, dollars of things that are purchased from their line, um, they donate both um, money and manpower, or women power, to cleaning up the oceans. So they're very much about giving back ethically as well. Um, Tom Lay is actually um, a brand that is based in Cambodia, but they have a fabulous website with a great video all about sustainability. Um, so they're a great example of a company to follow. And then some of the other ones I mentioned, H&M, which we will get to a little more in depth in a little bit. They have a whole recycling program. Eileen Fisher, we just sort of touched on, and Eileen Fisher does have their green Eileen line. Uh, still pretty much in the experimental stages, but they're taking their own goods and remaking them um, into sustainable pieces. And some of them are items that like sweaters that were in their line and didn't sell and are excess, maybe restyled and sold as part of the Green Eileen line. Or some of the pieces are things that are Green um, Eileen Fisher pieces that customers have brought back to the store. Um, so both it's both their overstock and returns that become part of their Green Eileen line. Um, Zara actually promotes that they're sustainable. Um, I have a hard time buying that the leader in fast fashion is sustainable 
but because they have all their own factories and everything is done like near their headquarters, they say that that helps with the sustainability of their line. Um, all right, so I guess the next question is. Um, I have a question I'd like yeah. to actually. Because um, they ran through a great list of friends we may or all may not know. But I kind of wanted people's input um, about what constitutes a sustainable item of clothing or material. Because, yes, question. Okay. Perfect. Um, because I speak from a material standpoint, because that's yes. what I study in school, especially textiles. Um, so I'm interested in what other people think a sustainable fiber is or fabric that you would like to offer um, an opinion. But because for me, it's um, that is personally a contentious issue because I think there's so many ways to look at things. People say, you know, oh, cotton is a sustainable fiber because it's grown. But if you look at data around cotton production, you know that it's the most heavily genetically modified um, plant on the planet, um, which is done for a number of reasons, but also ravaged, has ravaged the American South and things like that in an ecological sense. As well as um, people can say that vegan leather is sustainable. Well, actually, it comes from synthesized petrochemicals, which supports the fossil fuel economy. So how is that sustainable in a larger sense as well? And I think there's so much language and um, perhaps conflicting and contra contradictory discourse around things like that, that there's no clear answer. So I'm always personally very skeptical of any brand that says we have sustainable fibers for textiles, because there's so many ways to look at that. And that's only in, you know, the fiber realm of things. It does not speak to how anything is, you know, dyed or finished or processed, which those involve other processes that are maybe not ecologically stable. So that's personally for me, I'm very critical of. Um, I'm wondering if anyone has any sort of their own way of defining sustainable fibers. Well, I don't know if I have a clear definition, but I know like one fiber called tensile which is made from like the well, from like an eucalyptus tree. And I know when it's sustainably farmed, it uses a lot less water than cotton does. And actually, like jumping back to reformation, I didn't mm -hmm. speak up earlier about it. I do know like a good amount about that brand, but I know a lot of their clothing they do use tensile in their products, which is like how they incorporate that fiber. Yeah. I I have another outlook for this. I believe that anything that reduces the amount of energy used. So any fabric which is probably handlock printed, which reduces the amount of energy which is used is sustainable because eventually it's helping us save energy. Any garment or piece of clothing which lasts you longer is also sustainable as per me because then you'll probably end up buying less. Like I don't remember the last time I entered in a mall because I already have a lot of clothing and if that clothing is good quality, it lasts you longer and for me it's sustainable. I mean, that's just my point of view. Can I ask you a question since I'm like, you raised something very interesting. Um, is it in the interest of the clothing industry to have sustainable fabrics? Or because if fabric lasts a long time, you're going to hold that item for a long time and not buy something new? It's not. That idea is very contrasting to the fashion industry because we change every season. So <laughs> We change every week. You know, yeah. Every three days, there's every something. Every week new. is a season. Yeah, exactly. So it's in the interest of no, definitely. Um, actually, that that's interesting. I I think we're gonna sort of go out of order just a little bit here since you're on that topic. Um, does everybody understand what fast fashion means? Mm -hmm. 
And what does everybody think about fast fashion? It's evil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think the word I put was absurd. <laughs> um, and I find myself caught between a catch-22 that I'm here teaching my students how to be part of the fashion industry. And on the other hand, I don't agree with how the fashion industry, what has become. Um, right now, fast fashion is all about fast, fast, cheap, cheap, fast, fast, cheap, cheap. Um, and for me personally, one of the lines I have the hardest time with, and I, I did bring them up in the sustainability, is Zara. Um, Zara's whole, their, their whole, how they work is they release a new line every two weeks. They don't put things on sale, they make limited quantities, and every two weeks they release another line so that it pushes the idea of, oh, I've got to get the newest thing. Um, and then other companies have followed suit, oh, well, Zara's doing this to be competitive, I need to do this too. And it used to be the companies, you'd have two major lines, like um, spring, summer was considered one line, and fall, winter was considered another line. And some of the bigger companies would have, um, you know, they might have a few fill-ins here and there, and some might have a holiday line or a cruise line. And that's how fashion was. I mean, that's how it was divided up. And now, you know, Zara comes on the scene, and they have this whole new concept like, oh, we're just going to you know, keep pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out. And every two weeks, we're going to introduce something new. Um, it's been incredibly successful. Um, from a monetary standpoint, they are one of the most successful fashion companies. But from a sustainability standpoint and what it's done to the industry, it's pushed the whole fast fashion concept that everybody wants to make new, new, more, more, and in order to get everything out as fast and cheaply as possible, you know, they've outsourced everything um, to third world countries where it can be done cheaply. They purchase cheaper and cheaper fabrics, and right now it's a big race to the bottom. Um, and I have to say, I was a little bit taken back. I don't really shop at Zara, um, but I was in Europe in the spring, and I actually went to a Zara there, and I've been to other shops, and you know, there were a couple shoppers here and there. You know, in the other shops I went to, I walked into Zara, and it was like a mob scene. It was just wall-to-wall -wall people, and I was floored. I just couldn't believe what I just walked into. Um, and knowing, like, what's behind their whole concept. I, I've been in Zara's before, and it was never quite like that, but the one I went to in Europe, it's just a total mob scene, and everybody's standing in line with piles of stuff and looking for the newest thing. And I really sort of walked out of there scratching my head, like, this just isn't right. Um, it's clothing. Like, nothing should be quite that exciting about, oh my gosh, I have to have the newest thing. Um, you know, things aren't even well made anymore. It's all about just getting it out there as fast as possible. And I've been teaching fashion design now here for, I think, 11, I'm going on to 12 years. And I've seen such a change in my students in that amount of time that when I first started teaching, my students had a much better understanding of just basic sewing designs, like 
you know, princess scenes and facings and just some basic things. And now all my students relate to our jeans, t-shirts, mitts, and leggings and sweatshirts. Like, that's it. And I talk about things like what a facing is, and they don't even know what it is. And this is a very basic construction detail of a garment. Um, and different seam finishes, and all that anybody knows is just thrown together, cheap stuff with no style lines, and it's all part of fast fashion. But that's, I'm curious now, what does everybody really think about fast fashion? Should it go forward this way? Should it change? I have a quick question. Um, did Zara more or less invent fast fashion? I don't know if they necessarily invented it, but they were the ones that really pushed the concept forward. And part of how they did it is um, they're a Spanish company. They have all their headquarters and their production all like within the same town, all in the same location. It's kind of like Urban Outfitters, except with Urban Outfitters, um, a lot of their production takes place overseas. Whereas with Zara, their production, a lot of it takes place right there in their vicinity. So because they have everything right there in-house, they can turn things over very quickly. Um, and a big thing that actually was a big part of fast fashion, and I admit this has changed in my lifetime. I, I shouldn't admit to this, but I do remember life before the fax machine. And I remember the excitement of the fax machine when it was invented. And when the fax machine was invented, I was actually working at Macy's, and we had a fax machine in our office for the entire store. And in my department, I was in the visual department, doing all the displays in the store. It was sort of if we had to fax something, who in the department got the short straw and had to go stand in line at the fax machine? Because we had one fax machine for the entire store, and it was the newest technology. Um, things have changed a lot and very rapidly within my lifetime in that regard. But now, a few clicks on the computer, and you can send all your design sketches to somebody on the other side of the world within seconds. Um, it used to be, in the design world, if you had production going on somewhere else, you actually had to put your design in a package and mail them across the ocean to wherever your production was, and it took several days um, just for them to see what you were talking about, and then they had to do whatever needed to be changed and mail it back to you. The advent of the fax machine changed things quickly, and the advent of the internet made things change almost overnight. So that is really what led to fast fashion, is just simply having the ability to do it that quickly. That's another question, though. Mm -hmm. Not being a fashion person at all. Yes. Shouldn't the market determine what you folks are providing for? And if people are demanding fast fashion, uh, shouldn't you be supplying what the people want? Um, Not necessarily. I mean, in some regards, people don't know what they don't know. People aren't asking for fast fashion if it hasn't been put in their face and they don't know what it is or if they don't know it exists. But once a company comes forward and says, oh, look what we can do for you. We can do something here. And two weeks later, we can do something else. And oh, you need to buy this. And oh, this is the new thing. Buy this. All of a sudden, they create demand. I think you um, My name is Naomi. I was just going to say, when you were talking about Zara, um, that you when you were abroad, it made me think about Primark and how they're popping up everywhere and they're just so busy all the time. And um, what he was saying with market demand, it kind of made me connect those ideas because 
some people are just shopping there because of the prices are so low. And yeah, it has this um, sustainability concept has brought up a lot of new companies who are trying to use that to brand themselves, that they are a sustainable company. And yeah, their products are more expensive, but it'll last you longer because it's an investment piece. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of consumers who want to be able to do that. And they think about it like, oh, they like, they appreciate these companies, but they end up just going back to their Primarchs and the Zara's just because the price point's lower. And it's just kind of like an evil cycle, like, okay, maybe they buy some things that are sustainable, but they do go back to like the Primark or the Forever 21 or whatever. And um, it's kind of unavoidable for some people almost. Um, yeah, bubble before you. I'm sorry, put Jeff in the right here. Oh, I'm sorry, I can't see. Okay. I would like to bounce off of what you were saying, um, but at the same time, I feel as if what you were saying as a whole might be a little bit fragmented. Um, thus, if I'd love to entertain you, I was curious uh, what your biggest flaw is with sustainability. Um, we're not, no, uh, holy heck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what your biggest flaw is, uh, which would make a much more sustainable world, as that uh, is our ultimate value, I guess. Um, I mean, I have. Well, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be here till midnight, but trust me, on this topic, I can talk till midnight. Um, Ultimately, when you really understand what is going on with the fashion industry and the impact that it has environmentally, um, the fact that fast fashion has led to this whole concept of everybody just wanting more and more and more and more, the more that's made and the more that's disposed of, the bigger impact it has environmentally. So, uh, if it's okay, yeah. uh, may I ask then, do you think the main problem would have to be A, um, the overcomplexification of said objects, which were before simple, um, to now being highly complex, and the overproduction of said complex objects? I think there's mass overproduction, and actually, I think just to get back on, um, I mean, I know this is sort of bouncing all over the place, and that's okay. It, it is going to bounce all over the place, but Primark was brought up, and it actually, it, it does sort of circle back to what you're saying. Um, I, I just wanted, I have some dates written here that are important. Getting into not only just sustainability in this whole thing and what it does environmentally, but ethically, um, with workers' rights, does everybody happen to know what the Triangle Shirt Factory fire was? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was in 1911, and 146 people were killed. Um, and it led to the um, Ladies' Garment Workers' Union. And apparently, you know, everyone thought, like, oh, well, that will never happen again, and oh, how tragic, and things are so much better. Well, does anybody know what happened in 2013? The Rana Plaza. Exactly, the Rana Plaza. Um, in 2013, um, in that one, 1,134 people were killed and 2,500 were injured. And the number one supplier 
that they were, or the number one company that they were actually sewing for was Primark. Um, so, getting back to what you said, oh, Primark, you go there every, I, have I ever stepped foot in a Primark? I have not. Um, will I ever step foot in a Primark? Um, no. I really, from an ethical standpoint, I have zero interest in setting foot in Primark. Um, they are probably, like I said, Zara is the leader in fast fashion. Primark is probably the leader in the, in the race to the bottom. They are all about cheap, cheaper, cheaper, and cheaper, and at what cost. Um, I actually, I, I printed these out. You can all take it with you. Um, and it's just, I made a whole list of anybody interested in sustainability. It's um, a whole list of sustainable movies to see if you're interested in sustainability, books to read, and blogs to follow. And I started with a picture, and it has a dress on here starting at $3.99. And I said, what's wrong with this picture? And I said, for starters, that's not the on-sale price on this actual garment. And this was not Primark, it was another company. But, you know, I said, if you question whether an environmentally friendly source fabric could be sewn into a dress by fairly paid workers and then sold for $3.99, then this list is for you. And literally, this is on the internet. You can, if you get the right thing, you can order this dress for $3.99. To offer um, a different perspective, on, actually, you would have comment, didn't you? You'd like to speak up. Yeah. Okay, too. well, I was just like, you said, like, clothing was supposed, should be like an investment. Like, but, um, culture, like, this doesn't really have what you're talking, anything to do with what you're talking about. Of course it does. I'm <laughs> sitting um, here. Okay, well, um, like, an investment, like, I'm a college kid, um, I don't plan on being the same person I was when I entered college, so if I want to make an investment in, like, clothing, like, I don't want to, because, like, if I feel, like, happy one day, I want to wear regret colors, so I'm going to want a lot of variety and a lot of, a lot of clothing, because, like, I feel like I'm going to change. Whereas I feel like I have to invest in just a couple really good clothing that's limiting. And especially with like social media and stuff today, it's like you want to express your individuality and like how you can change and stuff. I don't know. It sounded really good in my head. This is Maria. So I, when I think, I feel like the clothing industry and like purchasing clothing, it's also a bit of a class thing. Not everybody has the money to buy clothes that are made well and last long, it's just how it is, how socially we are, it just happens to be, you know, the lower class, the middle class, and the upper class, it's just the individual, like, I cannot afford, a, like, I don't, I mean, I'm just going to throw a number out, like a $50 shirt sometimes, you know, you just cannot do that, and it, it's, it's a class thing more than anything, so people do go to the Primark, do go to the Zara, because that's what they can afford. And then, it, I get it, it's the sustainability comes into it, and then that is fast fashion, and it's cheap, but it's a class thing. People don't have money to buy sustainable and to invest in pieces that will last you longer. So there, there's, it says something about we are, where we are economically and where we are socially, because as much as I would want to, to buy sustainably and to invest in pieces, I financially cannot. Either can I. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? 
not to toot my own horn, but I think, hey, I don't look half bad here. All of this was bought secondhand. My sweater, my top, my skirt, my belt, my boots, my bracelet, my watch, my earrings, and the necklace came from a craft show from an artist who works just in like recycled broken jewelry. So every single thing that I'm wearing today outside of my underwear and, and maybe a couple rings, um, which were inherited or, you know, a wedding ring, whatever, everything is secondhand. Um, is there anything wrong with that? I don't think so. You know, I'm giving things a second life. The average American throws away about 88 pounds of textiles every year. Um, that makes me want to I, I guess, Thank you. That's yeah. the response I wants. I guess that's um, where, where we could start off. I guess people really, maybe not making the investment for saying to good quality products. Because again, as we said, people financially cannot do that. So maybe really taking care of what you have now and maybe passing it on. Like I know, like when my dad grew up, you know, in Albania, they were a house of six. So like they kind of had to pass on shoes, and they kind of had to pass. You know, and, and I feel like socially that just has become unacceptable because especially in where you're in school and everything, you want to be the cool kid and you want to have the new stuff, right? So that has also faded, but I feel like that's where we should dive in our energy more and to, to do teach new generations of like, hey, like it's not too bad to like wear the same shirt you probably had last year or whatever the case may be. Um, instead of going out and buying something just because it's there and it's affordable and it's... Uh, well, and, and you've touched on several things there. On one hand... Um, could I, sorry, could I yeah. just go off that point? Yeah. Um, so, to, I just to kind of go into what you're saying, um, just to offer like a defense of fast fashion is that it's equalizing. Um, and we, the fashion system in itself is inherently extremely elitist and extremely classist. Um, we, you know, um, I was sitting next to a friend in the textile studio today, and she was doing design research for her knit collection as a graduate student. And she was, um, her professor was, you know, go on WGSN and look at sweaters and use that as inspiration. And she was looking at a website where the sweaters retail for $2,000. And it's like, okay, yeah, cool, like that is the, you know, forefront of design and knitting technology. We should be obtaining that. But that we, Everybody looks to designer fashion to you know set the tone for everything, and that's why we spend so much time and energy looking at shows. And there's you know the fashion weeks every year, but that is so incredibly elitist that we, as you know, the rich Westerners, you know, quote unquote rich Westerners, um, are the ones who are consuming those things. But even like there's so few of us that can even attain those. It's that you know. If that's all we see fashion as, that is incredibly elitist, and that's very problematic. Um, so to look at it that way, it becomes, if we buy into the fast fashion system, then everybody can enjoy these things and can feel like they are part of, you know, able to express their individuality through their clothing that they can buy on a cheap basis, because the bottom line is that very few of us can afford a $2,000 sweater. Um, very, very, very few of us. So that is... You know, if nothing else, fast fashion has done that for us, and this, that is what we are able to to do because now we're all able to access those things, and it's not just so elitist as it as it is normally. Well, I, I have to say the one thing that sort of stands out from all your comments, and I mean, there's not you can say anything here. There's no right or wrong here, but I, I've now heard several of you saying how important it is 
to show your individuality, and yet you all want to go buy what everybody else is wearing, what is in every store, is it time to think outside the box a little bit? Who says you have to wear what everybody else is wearing? Though I agree that your tongue is a little bit aggressive here. Um, <laughs> hey, I mean, look, whenever, whenever anyone has a discussion, I hey. always, always look into the tone. Um, no, it's fine. I think one other way we could say this, uh, and this goes along with your point a little bit, okay. is that I do think we should definitely, instead of having a lot, instead of having all sorts of different colors of the rainbow, having thousands of different garments of clothing, you know, I'm kind of fine with having much more of a similar closet. In fact, I have. And yet, we can still have a bit of a style. I mean, look at me right here. I've been wearing, like, this is, the, this is my, this is, like, I have two weeks of clothing. And I've worn that for the past, like, two years or so. This is literally my style. And I literally have seven pairs of clothing, I guess you could say, or seven to ten. That being said, I would imagine that um, it, it would be a good idea to shift our culture. Um, I agree with you. I agree with you. I believe it would be a good idea to start a shift in our culture, which it would still have a little bit of individuality in the way that we could all have our own style, but we don't need it consume. We, need, we don't need to have overly complex objects. We don't need to have an overly complex life. Thank you. Very good point. Um, and I applaud you for your, your take on fashion. It's very much the European take. Um, what I noticed, too, when I was in, in Europe, and I, mean, I, was in, I was in Sweden and Denmark, and Denmark is actually one of the leaders in sustainability, and of course, being a fashion person, I couldn't wait to go to Europe and check out all the stores. And what I found, um, their styles are much simpler than American styles. And they are a little more expensive, not a lot. Um, and part of it may be, you know, the whole, you know, how the euro or how their money translates with the American dollar. By American money standpoint, their prices were really pretty reasonable by American standards. But I think within their country, their clothing is a little more expensive than we would be used to paying. Um, but everything was incredibly well made. They were nice quality fabrics. And when I looked at things, they were well made and they were made to last. Um, and I think that was the bigger difference seeing fashion over there versus here. It was all about pretty much, they have a whole different culture. Theirs is about quality of life. They're, they are not as materialistic as we are in Europe. Um, it's very much about quality of life, being with your family, riding your bicycle, enjoying the outdoors. Um, you know, sure, they have some fun fashion. And yes, just for the record, this skirt did actually come from Europe. Um, it came from a thrift shop in Denmark. Um, so, that you know, they definitely have some fun over there, too. But they are not the consumers that we are. And, you know, there just wasn't so much stuff like there is here. And with what's gone on recently, you know, it's almost ironic right now we have Puerto Rico where the people in Puerto Rico are desperate just to get drinking water. It's 100 degrees there. They have no electricity, um, no clean water. The roads are washed out. They can't, even though things are being donated, they're having a hard time distributing what's donated to the people 
right now, their big concern is, you know, can I get something to drink and maybe my next meal? I don't think they could care less what they're wearing right now. And part of why they ended up in that situation is they were just hit by one of the strongest hurricanes on record because of global warming. Um, and I could spend the next you know, day talking about that. If you're really interested in global warming and the effects on the environment, I would say just cut to the chase and go watch Al Gore's documentaries. He really explains that it's the inconvenient truth and the inconvenient sequel. Um, and everything that just happened in the last month, he predicted in his second movie. Um, from talking about Florida and hurricanes and the force of hurricanes and what was going to happen. It was all predicted in his movie. Yes. Oh. Um, so I'm just going to backtrack to what you were talking about, um, that a shift needs to happen. Um, I think that it is happening at the same time because while fast fashion is kind of like on the rise, I think that um, shopping in secondhand stores and uh, vintage stores is also on the rise. And that's kind of like a trend in itself that people, you know, want something one of a kind and you know, vintage items are always going to be fashionable and fashion is cyclical. So I think that anything that you can really find, not anything, but most of the things that you can find in these stores, they're kind of deriving that from um, past, like, cycles of fashion, past years. Mm -hmm. And I think that people are really kind of, like, you can buy a shirt in a thrift store for $3. That's better than fast fashion. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's kind of like, trending right now to shop in those stores and to find something that's different and to find something that's older and I think that a lot of people are gravitating towards that as well. So especially in our generation, everyone shops at thrift stores. So that's nice. Yeah, I agree with that. It kind of has opened up a new market. Like brand there are still obviously those big name companies that are just monetary focused. But um Businesses had to change their business models um, and focus on those different values of sustainability and um, the ethical factors because, yeah, there are those people who are still just going to buy cheap, whatever, that's what they want, what they think they can afford, um, all they think they can afford. But um, there are people who are aware, they've watched those movies, like um, I know the True Cost of Fashion is a big one that I, a lot of people have seen. Um, so. That is something that people look for, and I think it's opened up a whole new market um, for ju not just fashion companies, but everyone is trying to entertain that in their marketing efforts that they are sustainable, and it does kind of create conflict, like we were talking about before, like what is sustainable, just throwing around different words kind of attracts um, you know, the layman consumer. But um, yeah, I think it has opened up a new avenue of marketing and um, branding. Do you think the typical consumer is educated about A, what sustainability is, and B, they walk in a store, they plunk down a few dollars, they walk out with whatever it is they walk out about. Do you think they even give a second thought? Where was the fabric made? Who made it? What was the aftermath? I mean, do you think the basic consumer is at all educated as to what they're supporting. I think that's part of the problem. A lot of people think they're educated by just watching movies or whatever, and when they see, like we said before, when they see the words like sustainable or um, ethical or like if you donate 
If you donate whatever at H&M, you get like your own clothes, you get a discount. Okay, so you get a discount on what? Was that sustainably made, you know? So I think that is part of the issue. Um, I agree, it's a hard question to answer. Okay, now they just don't care. Okay. Yeah, they just don't care. Seriously, do you think they care? I know you folks in this room do, but do you think the average consumer? I think, like we're saying, like the buzzwords like sustainable, ethical, like they they trigger like certain thoughts in consumers' heads, but if not presented with those ideas, they just see the idea of shopping more sustainably and more ethically as inconvenient because the convenient option is less awful. It's also, I feel like it's kind of like a trap because I am here, I obviously care about sustainability, I'm part of SOSA, but at the same time, when like I think about Primark, I get excited. <laughs> so like, and I know it's so terrible, but there's just something that's appealing. So even though I feel like I am fairly educated, I know that it's bad, but it's hard to help it. And that's, I think, a big problem. Hi, I'm Tessa. And I'm also from Sosa, um, but I also think greenwashing might be a problem as well. Like, if anyone, if you don't know what greenwashing is, greenwashing is, it's um, when companies pretty much like lie to you that they are being sustainable or that they are being ethical for like with their workers or you know employees or anything. Like they're just kind of lying to your face. And although you see those words on the tag or you know, and you and you see that like oh like I must be doing something good for the environment or I must be doing something good for these workers, but in reality. Maybe that would be a problem as well. I mean, since we're talking about ethics and whether people are aware, I just want to throw this out there. We did talk about Rana Plaza, but I don't know if you're aware that of all the, the garment worker union or the garment workers in the world, Bangladesh is the cheapest place to have anything made, and you know the average Bangladesh uh, garment worker gets twenty-one cents an hour. Mm -hmm. It is not a living wage. It's far from a living wage. Um, and I actually have some lists of all the different prices of what people are getting paid um, right now. And Bangladesh in 2010 was the lowest. And after Rana Plaza in 2016, they are still the lowest by a pretty big margin. Amy, can I just ask you a question? If you put that chart up, it's pretty horrible. If you put that chart up right in front of the people shopping, and they see an item they like, I think nobody would put that up because well, the, store, the, store, the, store, the store doesn't want the consumer to know that. Yeah. But would they care if they did? I think, I think some people really would. Some people would not. But I think um, you know, the only way to start to change is to start to educate the masses so they know what they're contributing to. Uh, well, I was just thinking about thrift shops, and like, I don't know, I love thrift shopping and stuff. Um, it's just like, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of like really nice stuff at thrift shops, and so I was just wondering like, who is throwing that away? Like, that stuff sometimes still has tags on it. So do people go out and buy it, and then like just say, yeah. okay, I'm going to throw this away. Like, is that also sustainable? Well, I work a couple days a week. When I, I actually, I mean, I teach fashion here, but I also work at two different consignment shops. One is high-end designer, and one is bridal, which you know we've made a whole sustainable way of, of you know 
selling bridal gowns, but we sell once-used gowns, and we have a huge market. Um, so I'd like to think I work, you know, for a sustainable company in that regard. But I work in a shop on the main line. It is one shop, and it blows my mind every day I walk in the door there and just look around at how much stuff or how much clothing and accessories and shoes and handbags how much stuff we have just in one store. And um, the other night, I mean, we look at each other and just shake our heads when consignments bring in expensive things with tags still on never worn. Um, I, I don't know how they do it. Um, you know, some of the items that we get in that store, literally probably that one item is what I spend on clothing in an entire year. And I got a lot of clothing. But I buy it secondhand, and I also consign a lot of clothing. Um, I try my best to never put anything in a landfill unless it's really falling apart. Um, you know, things that I can consign, I can consign. Things that I can't, I donate. And, you know, it just makes me crazy when I see, like, good, usable clothing items getting, you know, tossed or wasted. But the, the amount of volume just in one store, I mean, go to any Salvation Army, go to any Goodwill, and just look around and realize that's just like what one group of people discarded. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people don't even like donate their clothes. So, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, like, this kind of relates to this. Like, one fair that I found that, like, Americans throw away like 14 million tons of like textiles each year. Like, but over 99 percent of that can be recycled or used. But and 85 percent of that amount ends up in the landfill. So it's crazy. Away. I also think that when people are shopping, um, they kind of get that like tunnel vision, like their greed kind of comes out and they buy something that they have to have it in that moment, but then they wear it once or they don't wear it at all. And I feel like it's kind of like the psychology of that, of shopping. And like clothing is a necessity, but it really, if you think about it, it's a luxury now because people are just buying new clothing all the time and it's. I think that's just kind of a part of like our culture, I guess. I think that that's that is the hardest thing to break, is because um, at least in like my own studies, I think everything in sustainability comes back to cultural and sometimes governmental change, um, which is you know if you can implement all of the most sustainable policies in the world and give everybody you know hemp clothing made by like your next door neighbor or whatever the paradigm may be. But if if people are are still in that mindset of like consumerism and materialism in the capitalistic sense, then it's never going to change because that's what the culture is. So I think the most like progressive way forward is to work to change that culture. Um, which is like like seems like a very insurmountable task, but um, could be the best way to make change. But in response to like investigating consumer culture, isn't there also a responsibility on corporate culture and corporations that produce clothing, such as H and M and other big fast fashion uh, businesses, to put them under a microscope um, and hold them accountable for actions and hold them accountable for catastrophes that happen overseas, like in Bangladesh, and to change methods of how they deliver products to consumers, because I think both cultures, both parties, are responsible for what's happening environmentally and socially, class-wise, economically. 
like who do we put under that microscope and what are the advantages of investigating consumer culture versus corporate culture when we're talking about sustainability? I think the way to look at it is that, yeah, like I 100% agree. I think it's both are at fault and both have a symbiotic relationship that one makes the other what it is. Um, you know, it's like, who came first, the consumer or the corporation? And like, how did they like create each other? So I think in those instances that the people at the top, the corporations who have the money and the power, should be the ones obviously like scrutinized, um, but as well as ourselves instead of, you know, I think we need to examine ourselves as moving from consumers to citizens. Um, and that's like, that's a prominent theory, I guess, um, these days. But it's also, you know, examining both of those things simultaneously is, I think, like the most productive way. But yeah, I like the job you wrote at that point. Well, I guess the big question is, how do you change a culture? How do you change a corporate culture? And how do you change, like, a culture of people? I mean, how do you change how people think? We have a different, we have a democracy, you might as well use it. Oh. <laughs> How well is democracy working at the moment? Terrible. <laughs> what do you think our legal system is um, the cause of many, many of this? I mean... Uh, well, actually, you know what? That actually is a very interesting point that, that you said that. I mean, ultimately, yeah. I, I mean, there's... Two more questions I can ask you, which could possibly further this even more. Well, no, but, but your yeah. one your one question that I, I can actually address, and it's something that I am dealing with personally. Um, my line that I want to launch that's all made of recycled clothing. I, I you know I, I had I finished my capstone. I graduated. Um, you know the feedback on everything on my capstone was good, except for the one big legal question, and I have legal issues. And the legal issue is if I'm recycling, you know, how transparent can I be or should I be with what I'm recycling? And doing all my research, I found that it, it's a problem that I've run into is there are very few, if any, laws in this country that deal with fashion. And as far as knocking things off and copying them, if you're aware of any, you know, laws in fashion, now, if we're talking about France, it's a whole different story, but in the United States, there's no legal, like if I, I can steal somebody's design and there's no copyright on a design, and if I say, oh, well, they put four buttons on and I put five buttons on, it's not the same. There are no laws really governing fashion in this country. So if there's no laws governing anything about design, it's kind of like, a crapshoot and legally nobody really cares. Um, there are other countries where they have, you know, laws that protect fashion, but they don't in this country. So I think that is part of what has enabled things just to run wild. Does that sort of answer your legal question? Uh, I mean, I don't think you exactly use an example which is related to sustainability. Um, but, but I think if there were laws you know, that were I, governing, I your governing fashion, maybe things wouldn't have just expanded to the rate that they have. I mean, it's possible. Uh, may I ask what I was thinking of a little mm -hmm. bit earlier? Sure. I was going off of uh, Mr. Uh, going off of Wayne's. Um, <laughs> I was just making sure I can say your name. You're good. Like I'm allowed to. You're um, good. When when he asked this question uh, regarding the consumer, 
I have a counter point. For the consumer, do you think it is the intuitive truth to act in the way of least resistance? Do you think buying complex, extravagant garments which are weighed down by material features is the past path of least resistance? Thus, the ultimate counter to your asking of, do you think the consumer would care about any of this? They're buying all these clothing with all these bells and whistles, and yet, in all reality, none of that is the original path of least resistance. It's not exactly the intuitive truth. One would much rather have rags, I guess you'd say. One would much rather have what I'm wearing, almost. Something that's more utilitarian, something that's more, uh, that would stay together, I could stay together, I guess you'd say. I mean, not only that, but here's, here's where legality gets even more into a question, becomes even more interesting. For the producer, do you think, by the law of marginal utility, that the consumer having leverage over the producer in the way of price be the path of least resistance? Do you think that having the shame of putting on the lowest price tag be the paths of least resistance for the producer. I mean, what I'm currently begging, what I'm Let her answer the question. We've got a lot of questions. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, now you sort of lost me on what the actual question okay, wants to be perfectly I, I honest. Can, I can ultimately squeeze this down to one teeny tiny thing. Okay. Do you think, in the way that, the, in the way that things are as they are now, do you think we're really acting in a logical fashion? No, not at all. I, I don't think so because, well, I guess then you have to display, explain logic. I mean, people just, like you said, it's the path of least resistance. Like, oh, I'm going to go to the store, I'm going to plop down a few dollars, I'm going to buy something, I'm going to walk out, I'm never going to give it a thought. I mean, that is the path of least resistance. But if you understand what the big picture is, is that logical? No, it really isn't because it impacts the big picture on so many levels. I agree. I think that currently we're acting without logic. So what can we do about it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, uh, I was going to say it's it's logical from like a capitalistic standpoint and like an economic standpoint, but um, basically sustainability is the enemy of the economy and vice versa. Like it's like two negative magnets. Like you can't really do both at the same time. So I think the, the real answer is to take down capitalism and change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now we the subject of another round. <laughs> I know this is about fashion, but I'm just saying that it's hard to talk about sustainability while also talking about what's economically sustainable because that's that's the exact opposite. You want people to buy as much as you know as possible. Right, but it's a very good point. Has capitalism allowed us to get so unsustainable because it's all about making a buck and making more and there aren't checks and balances? Well, it's especially crony capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Should definitely come back on that issue at another round. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a really good issue, and I'm going to follow up with you for the next semester. But anyway, you know, we're running out of time, so believe it or not. So uh, I want to wrap it up, Professor. Um, I guess my hope is at least walking out of here today. Ever
of fashion and sustainability and how fashion affects sustainability or doesn't affect sustainability. Um, you know, what we really didn't get into a whole lot is, you know, the aftermath of fashion and what it really is doing environmentally. Um, the one thing I want to say is I've done a lot of research, you know, doing my whole capstone on sustainability. And depending on who you talk to, um, a lot of people think the dirtiest industry in the world is fashion. Um, those who think it's not think it's the second dirtiest. My argument is it is in fact the dirtiest because so much of like petroleum and oil and shipping and all that is used in fashion that most people think, you know, gas, oil, all of that is the dirtiest industry. But I think so much of that is used in fashion that fashion is in fact the dirtiest industry. And um, the dirtiest industry on earth has run havoc with our environment. And I think we have just seen that in, you know, some of the weather that has happened recently. And I think it's going to continue to happen until, you know, people wake up and smell coffee and start to, to make change. And I don't know how you make people listen, and I don't know how you educate people. Um, but I think now that we've seen, you know, some really bad hurricanes and what has happened to people, you know, in the hurricanes, you know, maybe when people hear about, oh, sustainability and environmental issues, like, what does it mean? Maybe don't we stop and, and pay attention at least a little bit more now that they can actually see something that has happened. You don't really see the, the melting ice caps, but you see the destruction, you know, in the islands and the flooding. I mean, it, that is something a little more tangible. Any last thoughts from anybody? I think that, um, I think a big change is coming, though. Because I, at the career fair today, mm -hmm. I spoke to like two or three companies that mentioned sustainability to me. Mm -hmm. And they were bigger companies, it was like Victory's Secret, and like Abercrombie, and those companies, they were all saying how they're kind of in the beginning stages, but they are making a sustainability effort, which I mean, I hope they're being truthful about, but right. it's something that's very exciting. Good. Yeah, I was gonna say that, um, I think a change is, a small change is coming about in terms of the remuneration because I do notice there's a lot of stores who are becoming conscious of the fact to stock only fair trade, ethical, sweatshop free clothing. Mm -hmm. A lot of museums also support handmade products. I have a uh, handmade company back home in India. So uh, I'm glad that the store owners are taking an effort to educate their customers, even though it's slightly higher price than fast fashion because it's handmade. But I do think that change has started coming. Any other last comments, anybody? All right. Well, thank you all for coming. And think about sustainability. And next time you go and buy something, just sort of think about, like, hmm, I wonder where it was made. I wonder where the fabric came from. I wonder who sewed it. And I think if everybody just starts to think a little bit, change will start to come. Thank you. And for those of you who are interested, I have a whole list.